0: Welcome to baptism night, isn't it incredible? exciting things could happen. I heard exciting things happened at the healing meeting on Wednesday night. Judith walked in with crutches, and no, uh, she was up here with no crutches. So I want to find out more about that. That was exciting. Um, if you've got FOMO right now, because you're thinking, oh, I should have put my name down to be baptized. That's okay. You can put your name down to be baptized next time, like these people are tonight. You can come and talk to Charmaine, or put your name down on the website, or come and talk to me or Alan afterwards. We will sort you out. But we Uh, So proud of all these three awesome young people who have been baptized tonight. And I'm just going to spend a few minutes tonight talking about why we decide to be baptized, what the gospel is. Baptism is a declaration of our faith in Jesus. Well, it's when we go public about the fact that we love him. And it's an outward symbol of an inward work that he has done in us. And it's like in this tank here, it's like our old life goes down under the water and dies. And then we come up again all fresh and clean, washed clean. And it's a symbol of what he's done for us. And it's the first thing we do when we become a Christian. The Bible says, believe and be baptized. And this is what Jesus has done for us. He has given us a new start. He has forgiven us of all our sins And when you uh, become a Christian and are baptized, it's like you're personally receiving that gift. You're saying, yes, I'm taking it for myself. Because it's not enough to just know about it with your mind. Ah, yes, I know about Jesus. He's taken our sins on the cross. We have to know it for ourselves. We not only know that, yes, Jesus is the Savior of the world, we have to have Jesus as my Savior. We have to make it personal. So not only has he saved the whole world from their sins, he has saved me. From my sins, and there were many, and we are all sinners, and we all need saving. So my title tonight is, We All Need a Saviour. And Father, I pray right now that you would come and speak through your word, through these scriptures we're going to look at to every person, not my words, but yours. And Lord, we do pray that there would be an understanding in our hearts and minds of what it is, this amazing thing that you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight I've got five scriptures showing us that we all need a savior. Here we go. First one. And you probably know it John 3:16 they sometimes hold that up at rugby games when there's a crowd of 40,000 plus John 3:16 and people are like what who who's John <laughs> that's a far, funny last name 316 but it means John chapter 3 verse 16 which says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish or die but have eternal life and that means they won't die eternally. They will, their body will die, but their spirit will live on forever. So when we ask Jesus to come into our lives and forgive us of all our sins, a change takes place on the inside of us. Because we're not just talking about a bit of religion here. Oh, no. We are talking about a complete life change from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, from the road to hell to the road to heaven. It is dramatic. It is dramatic. And it is like our eyes have been opened, the eyes of our spirit. It's like we've been in this dark cave all our lives. We were born into it. And now we've come outside, and it's like, oh, my goodness, there's light. There's a whole new world out here. It's it's like that. It's incredible. We have been freed from the devil's power. He had been holding us captive all our lives. Because the devil uses our sins like chains to hold us as his prisoner, his captive. Now, you might say, well, sin, that's an old word. What does that mean? Well, it's things we do that hurt God. It's when we just go our own way and not live God's way. You know, there are many kinds of sins, bad things that we do. There's also, those are the sins we commit. There's also sins the sins of omission, things that we should do that we don't do. We omit to do them, which is good things that we don't do that we should do. Now, we can think, well, I'm, an, I'm not a sinner. I'm a nice guy. You know, like those people in jail, they're sinners, you know, like rapists, murderers, abusers, they're sinners, but not me. But if we're honest, we will admit that we've all done things that grieve the heart of God. You know, ever since humankind has been separated from God because of sin, Way back in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve first ate the apple or whatever it was, some kind of fruit, they first disobeyed God. Ever since then, God has been planning how to get us back with him again. He wants us back. He wants a reconciliation. Because what had happened was ever since Adam and Eve, I'm going to slap them when I get to heaven. Ever since Adam and Eve first disobeyed God. Sin came into us and we inherited it just like you might have inherited a big nose from your father, from your grandfather before him. Anyone? No. Well, you know, we inherit these characteristics that come down. So this is like an invisible characteristic that every person in the human race has inherited. It's this bias towards sin. We all have it. And I know if you've had children, you'll say, yeah, I've seen it in my young children. You know, we don't have to teach them how to do wrong things. They just slap their brother and they, you haven't taught them that. And you're like, no, don't do that. Where has that come from? They haven't seen that modeled by moi. It's called a sinful nature. We all have it. We've all inherited it. And what happens is sin separates us from God because God is pure and holy. And he can't be near sin. He can't even look on sin. God and sin just don't mix. I've used this illustration before. Remember when you're at school in science and they give you magnets and you play with the magnets and you get two magnets and you try and push them together and they don't go together. They repel each other and you're like, you're trying to push them together. It's like that with God and sin. God is pure and holy and and he just can't get near sin because he repels sin. His holiness repels sin and we have sin in us. We have sin on us, so that's a problem because we're separated from God. God and sin just don't mix. And so we're all sinners, every one of us, even the nicest little old lady. Because our second scripture is Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have all, who would say we've all told at least one lie? Hands up if you've ever told a lie. That's it. We're all, and if you didn't put your hand up, you're telling one right now. Because, you know what, the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is you shall not lie. We've all broken at least one, at least one of the Ten Commandments. I'm sure some of us have broken quite a few. It's probably me. <laughs> but um, just me and Ricardo. That's a, yeah. <laughs> it's good having you back, bro. <laughs> so we're all stuffed up and we've all not lived up to God's standards. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord wanted to fix it. He wanted to pay for our sins. He wanted to atone for our sins, take away the sin problem that was separating us from him. And he knew there was only one pure enough, holy enough, sinless to ever be a sacrifice for the sin of the whole human race. There was only one who had never sinned and that was his son, Jesus, his only son. And at the perfect time, God sent his son, Jesus, down from heaven to earth for this one reason alone, To die in our place. Shouldn't have been Jesus dying, it should have been us because we deserve it because we're sinners. But He died in our place so that the blood He shed could pay for our sins as a sacrifice. Imagine how freaky that would have been for Jesus coming from heaven, which is so perfect and beautiful and holy, down to earth. That would have been such a come down. That would have been like us. Becoming like God becoming human, a baby? That must have been like for us, like becoming a dog. And not just a dog, but like a really small, ugly dog, like a chihuahua. (laughs) That is a come down right there. I'm sorry if you have a dog in your handbag as we speak. (laughs) Don't be offended. But only disability dogs are allowed in here. (laughs) But anyway, it must have been a bit of a letdown for Jesus to come from heaven to earth. But he came for one reason alone, to die in our place. Jesus didn't just come to teach great truths, although he did that. Jesus didn't just come to cast out demons, although he did that. Jesus didn't come to just heal the sick, although he did that. Jesus came to die in our place. Because that is the only way we would ever be able to have our sins removed, which separate us from God. Then we can have friendship with God again. So God, Jesus, God in Jesus' form as a baby at Christmas came down from heaven to earth. And one day the same Jesus who created the whole universe is going to come back again in the sky with power and glory. And when he does, it's game over. We only have limited time here on earth. Our lifespans are running through our fingers every day like sand. And one day, each of us will stand before the Lord. That's what the Bible says. We need to be ready to meet him and give an account for our lives. And I'm just going to say, Jesus is my Savior. I can't ever be holy enough in myself. He's paid the price for me. That's what we need to be covered under him. We need to be ready to meet him. Jesus promised us, sorry, his followers eternal life. That means we're going to live forever in eternity with him. You know, there's a few myths floating around out there. Let's dispel a few, shall we? There is no purgatory, not in the Bible, never has been. There is no reincarnation. You're not coming back as a budgie, oh no. The Bible only speaks of eternal life with him or eternal separation from him. Not purgatory, not reincarnation, not any other crazy new age idea. We have to base our faith and our belief on what God says in the Bible, not make up some fantasy in our minds. Oh, but Eleanor, I believe it. I believe it. I believe it so passionately with my whole heart. Just because we believe a thing passionately does not make it true. For example, some of you have heard me use this um, analogy before. You know, I could believe with all my heart that a bus is going to come to my house in Bethlehem on Sunday mornings and pick me up at my front door for church at 9 a.m. And I can believe that and I can believe it and I can pray it and I can speak it out passionately and say, I believe it, yes. I can heartily believe that that bus will come. But there is such a thing as a bus timetable. And it tells me that I need to actually walk up a few streets to Cambridge Road, and catch the bus up there at 8.30 a.m. I actually need to base my faith on the bus timetable because it's written by the dude who schedules the buses. And he knows when they're coming. Unless I base my faith on the trusted and true bus timetable, my faith is groundless and I am deluded. And my fervently held belief is just a fantasy. No matter how passionately I believe it with all my heart and my mind that the bus will come to my house at 9 a.m., it ain't coming. I need to follow the bus timetable if I am to catch a bus to church. We can believe whatever crazy thing we like. After I die, I'm coming back as a butterfly. But unless we base our faith on the Bible written by God, who knows what will happen after we die? He's come from heaven. He visited hell for three days. He's been to the places where we can go after we die. Unless we base our faith on the Bible and what God says, then our faith is groundless and we are deluded. The universe does not revolve around one individual person's beliefs. Just because I choose to believe a certain thing does not make it so. The universe is not suddenly rearranged to align with my personal belief. The universe is already set in place by the Lord who created it. And he has set up certain principles and he's put them in place. And we work in with what he has set up. And he's written in a book about it all right here called the Bible. And we can read it and know about him and know about what happens after we die and know about how to live. And this is still the number one best-selling book in the whole world. It always has been the Bible. It's the most stolen book in the world. It's the most smuggled book and it's the most sold book in the world. Now, we don't know when we'll die, but we do know that we will all die. That's our body. Our body will die. Our spirit will live forever. The latest stats tell it all. Ten out of every ten people die. But our spirit will live on forever in eternity. The thing about eternity is it's eternal. It's forever and it never ends And I've used this analogy before, the picture of a pyramid of sand. Someone, This is not in the Bible, but someone once described eternity to me like a pyramid of sand. They were trying to get me to think bigger and see further because we have these finite four-inch minds. And they said, you know what? Eternity is like this huge pyramid of sand. And every one million years, a bird flies along and takes away one grain of sand in its beak. million years passes, the bird flies back again, takes away one grain of sand in its beak. A million years passes, the same thing. And when that pyramid of sand is gone, it's still not the end of eternity. Eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. We must make sure we are well prepared for eternity now before we enter it. We've got to know we're ready to enter eternity now while there is time while we still have breath. Because sometimes people do enter eternity earlier than they had planned to. Do we take this gift of eternal life that Jesus has given us through the cross now? Or do we live however we like? If it feels good, do it. And then we just plan to scrape in at the last minute on a deathbed prayer. Do we plan to live like a pagan in our youth, but then just think, I'll get spiritual when I hit the rest home? What if our plan does not unfold the way we had hoped it would? What if a drunk driver takes us out early and we are propelled into eternity in a single moment? What then? Are we ready for that? Are you ready for that? We must live every day ready to meet our maker, ready to meet Jesus face to face. Don't let that day take you by surprise. It is coming. Third scripture, Acts 4 verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else talking about Jesus salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved you know I could take you to a grave of an occultist and we know he's dead I could take you to the grave of Buddha we know he's dead I could take you to the grave of a new age guru we know he's dead but I can't take you to the grave of the son of God because he's alive He defeated death. He came alive three days later. He was taken up on a cloud into heaven about 40 days after that. And he's still there. And one day he's going to come back in the clouds to take all his people home. And we're going to learn how to fly that day. Unless we've already gone to heaven before, because we don't know when that day is. So this scripture is saying there is no other way that all people may be saved and have eternal life. Only through Jesus. He's the only name through which we may be saved. While we were still mongrel sinners, Jesus died for us. And then he came alive again. He defeated death. He proved he has authority over death by his resurrection. He took our place. He became the ultimate sacrifice. He was paying the price for our sin when he bled and died on that cross. He left perfect heaven, came down to sinful, corrupt earth to save us. No other deity ever loved us enough to give themselves for us, to give their life for us. Every other religion, you have to be perfect and try and be good enough to get up to God. But the Lord saw, they're helpless sinners. They'll never get up to me. I will go down to them. And so he did in the form of Jesus. And this is what makes Christianity different from every other religion. This is what makes Jesus the only way to God. Because Buddha and Krishna and no other deity died for you and I on a cross. Only Jesus did. He made a way for us to get right with God. Fourth scripture John fourteen six Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life and no one can come to the Father except through me. So we can't go to heaven by being a good person. We can never be good enough. Christians are not perfect, they're just forgiven. Christians are no better than anyone else. They've just found the answer. It's like everybody on the planet is a starving person, but the Christians have found the food. And uh, they're saying, hey, it's over here, come. We're telling others where to find it, and it's good food. You know, my friend took me along to church when we were in the last year of school. And um, I was 18, and she took me along And I was like, oh, yeah. And then she took me to Connect Group. And I was like, oh, yeah. And she took me to Youth. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then she took me to something else, this big crusade at the race course. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then she said, you should start reading the Bible. So I did. And then she said, you should start praying. And I did. And he started answering my prayers, which freaked me right out. But somewhere over a 14-month period, I came to know Jesus. And when I met him, I came alive. My life started at that point when Jesus came into it. And, and he helped me give up drinking, which I used to do every day for a couple of years. And um, there's alcoholism in my family, so I'm just so grateful to him that he helped me do that. And I was baptized in water like these guys were, are going to be tonight, and I bawled my eyes out at my baptism. Meeting Jesus has been the best thing that has ever happened to me, and it can happen to you too. Just ask him to come in to your life, and he will. And you might say to me, or I was just sharing with some friends before, well, what's it like? And I can try and explain it to you. I can say it's amazing. He's amazing. You'll never know another love like it. His love is better than this life. His love is better than anything on this planet can ever offer. And I can try and explain it to you, but you've really just got to try it for yourself. It's like if you were from a sheltered background, maybe you've been brought up in Antarctica, and you'd never tasted ginger ale. I've used this analogy before with or juice, but I'm going for ginger ale tonight. I could try and describe it to you. And you're like, well, what's it like? I'm like, well, it's kind of fizzy and sweet. And, and you're like, what? I'm like, well, it's kind of gingery. Uh, but if you've never had ginger, well, it's nice. But you're not going to know until you taste it for yourself. Which brings me to my last scripture, number five. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So that's saying, hey, Try it out. Try it out for yourself that the Lord is good. You've got to invite him into your heart. You've got to say, hello, Lord, come on in to my life. Sit in the driver's seat. And then his love will so fill you and overflow you and transform you that you won't even recognize yourself. And he starts a change on the inside that works through to the outside. Right now is a great time in your life for you to get right with God. You know, if you've given your life to Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, my challenge to you would be, what are you waiting for? Maybe you're a younger and you've grown up in a Christian home, but you can't live on your parents' faith. You've got to decide, man, this is for me. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to live his way. Right there, it's important to get baptized. If you serve God hard out when you're young, it will set the pace for your whole life. And it's in your Teens and 20s that you set the tone and pace for your whole life. If you're not fired up about Jesus when you're in your teens and 20s, don't expect it to kick in in middle age. If you serve Jesus now with all of your energy and passion, that sets you up for the future. No matter what you've done, He loves you and He wants you in His family. Can I ask Joe to join me, please? I've got a story here, huh? true story about this guy. His name was Jacob Koshy. He was born in Singapore and he grew up with one driving ambition to get all the money and stuff that he could. But that led him into a world of drugs and gambling, and he actually became the boss of an international smuggling network. But in 1980, he was arrested and he was placed in a government drug rehab prison in Singapore. And he was frustrated in prison beyond endurance. All his goals and plans had come to nothing. He was locked up in this teeny cell and his heart was cold and empty. And he liked to smoke, but of course that was not allowed. That was contraband. So he'd smuggle in tobacco and he'd rip out pages of one of those little Gideon's Bibles and roll his own. And one day he fell asleep while he was smoking and he woke up and he saw that his cigarette had burned out and there was just this teeny bit of charred paper left. And he opened up the paper. And it had some words on it. And he read it and it said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he thought, who's that? So he asked for another Bible. And he read the entire story of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. And he got sa- Saul got saved and he- his name was changed to Paul. And Jacob suddenly realized, if God could help a guy like that, who used to kill Christians, a murderer, someone like Saul, then God, maybe you could help me too. And he got down on his knees and he prayed and he asked Jesus to come into his life and change him. And he began crying and he couldn't stop crying. And God did a great work in his life. And then he started telling other prisoners about what God had done for him and and how Jesus had saved him, how Jesus loves him. And and then as soon as he he was released, he got involved in a church and he met a Christian girl and he married her and he's now a missionary in Asia where he tells people far and wide, who would have believed that I could find the truth by smoking the Word of God? True story. You know, if we're serious, I'm finishing now, if we're serious about following Jesus, it simply starts with a decision. And you can make this decision tonight if you want to. You know, at the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, verse 27, it talks about the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb is another name for Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. And He's got this book, this book of life. It's like His reservation book for heaven. And when someone surrenders their life to Jesus, He writes their name in His book, His reservation book. Jesus knows those who are His. You know, as a point of example, Ellen and I love to go to, out for dinner. And when we have guest speakers here, we take them out for lunch or dinner. And one of our favourite restaurants is Harborside Restaurant. And uh, some of you might like it as well. It's down by the water. It's very popular. And we often take people there. But because it's so popular, sometimes if you don't book, you can miss out and you can't get in. So I know when we're going to Harborside, I have to call ahead and make a reservation. We can be like this. Well, I hope God lets me into heaven. I hope Jesus lets me into heaven. Hey, you don't have to be worried about missing out. You can call ahead and make a reservation and get your name in the book. Just like I do at Harborside Restaurant. I call ahead, I make a reservation, I get my name in the book at the time I want to come. We can call ahead. We can do it now and say, Jesus, save me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to worry about missing out on eternity in heaven. You don't have to miss out. You can call ahead tonight and make a reservation. In in a moment, we're going to pray and do just that if you want to. Nothing else we ever do in life is as vital as getting our name in His book, as getting right with God. I've got a question here for you tonight. Is your name in the book? Is your name in his reservation book for heaven? The Lamb's book of life. You don't get your name in the book by doing holy good things. You get your name in the book by calling on Jesus to forgive you of all your sins. By handing your life over to him. Is your name in the book? What's the point of having millions of dollars if you don't have your name in the book? What's the point of having a successful career and being well known all over town if you don't have your name in the book? What's the point of having huge amounts of education and degrees and lots of knowledge and being famous if you don't have your name in the book? In God's eyes, there are only two categories of people lost and found those who have found Jesus and those who haven't found Him yet. Today is a great day for you to find Jesus if you haven't yet. You can move from I hope I'll get to heaven to I know I will. You can know for sure by surrendering your life to Him tonight. Why don't you stand with me? We're going to pray. Every Sunday we pray a prayer to partner with people who are praying it for the first time and inviting Jesus into their hearts. You can be a part of that tonight if you'd like to. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. We're just all going to pray together right where you are right now. So let's close our eyes. But I will ask you, while everyone's eyes are closed, to slip your hand up if you are praying this prayer tonight and you're serious and you're asking Jesus into your heart. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you did it once years ago, but you know you've slipped away. You know you're not walking with Him and you wanna get right with God tonight. You wanna get your name in His book in his reservation book for heaven. If you know you wanna do that, why don't you just put your hand up where you are so I will know you and I will include you in my prayer, not by name. Thank you, I see your hand at the back. Anyone else? Put your hand up, awesome. I see your two hands over here, three hands over here. Anybody else? We've got free Bibles to give out at the end as well. If you haven't got a Bible, you can get one. That's awesome. I've seen four hands. Anyone else tonight, you want it, you're want saying, yes, that's me. I want to get right with God. I want to get my name in His book. That's awesome. We're going to pray together. I'm going to say a line, and you can repeat it after me out loud. And we're all going to do it together to encourage those who are doing it for the first time. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you a sinner. Thank you. You've made a way for me to have my sins removed. When you died in my place on the cross at Calvary, thank you for forgiving me. Right now, I invite you in to be the boss of my life. Sit in the driver's seat. I renounce my old ways. I renounce the devil. I will follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life by your grace and truth. Thank you for loving me. Amen.